Ben Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much. Maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Okay, welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts, Paige Easter, and I'm here to do an interview of Clayton Olson, one of our other co-hosts. So I know you guys are all probably used to hearing Ben here on the podcast, but he's absent today, but we're going to do just fine without him. Clayton, first off, thanks so much for being willing to just have a conversation with me. I'm super excited to get the opportunity to pick your brain and understand more about how you approach coaching and how you approach transformation in general. So my vision for this conversation is I'm just really interested in understanding how you approach coaching and kind of how you see people creating change for themselves, how you see yourself acting as a guide for people's transformation, and what are the kind of foundational beliefs and frameworks that you're bringing to the table as you're doing that. So my first question for you is, who are you on the lookout to be in service to? Like, how do you know that somebody would benefit from your approach to coaching? So it's less of what they're up to in the world, and it's more around their level of awareness and how they carry themselves in the world. I work with people that are from single mothers to founders, to executives, to athletes, uh, to uh, people in startups and tech. And you know the content of what we talk about is just as wide as well, but the common denominator that all of the folks in, have in common that I'm working with is that there is a certain level of awareness where they've already done some work with a therapist or some level of personal development work that has brought them to a place where they're in the inquiry of wondering, how am I creating an unwanted experience in my life? They're seeing that there's something maybe that they're struggling with and they're flirting with the idea that they know that they must be doing something. There must be some way that they are showing up that is actually creating this result again and again in their life. And so said another way, they're at a place where they're really ready to take responsibility or they're flirting with the idea of taking responsibility and stepping into that kind of creatorship of their life. And they want to expand beyond their current limitations. Um, oftentimes, if someone is really entrenched in a victim mindset, they're in a very kind of life happens to me mentality where they feel out of fact of life, they feel overwhelmed, and they are just absolutely convinced that people, things, or circumstances need to change outside of them in order for them to be okay, I would often recommend that they talk to a therapist and they work with somebody that they can really unravel that dialogue with for a while until they get to a place where they're ready to step more into greater responsibility. So that's what I'm looking for. It's a level of awareness, it's a level of responsibility, um, and just kind of agency in the situation, even if they're having a hard time. 
Yeah, what you're saying right now really resonates with me because I think that that was a time in my life when I had that experience where that was like, all right, this thing keeps happening over and over and over again to me. Like first it was men and then it was something else. It was like out there and bureaucracy and blah, blah, blah. And it just kept happening. And I kind of got to the point where I ran out of reasons and it was like, oh, the common denominator is me. I'm the one that's creating this. And that was the point in my life where I was like, okay, now I can go on a really intense personal development journey. But it seems like having that sense of kind of responsibility that I am the one that's creating this is a foundational platform from which to jump into the personal development work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's primarily because then at that point, you've put your hands on the controls of the very thing that we have influence and agency over, which is the frames and the perspectives and the beliefs that we choose to adopt to then engage with the world with. Mm-hmm. But if we're stuck in a place where we're thinking that the world outside of us needs to change, we're in a very disempowered state. And mm-hmm. oftentimes people clutch onto that and avoid responsibility because uh, it's it's very difficult. It's it's too difficult. And I think therapy at that point or uh, some other realm of coaching. Uh, I mean, I I've worked with people in that in that mentality, but I it, I don't enjoy it quite as much as I do when I'm working with people that are really starting to see that they are at the center of all of their experience. So you're finding people who have this kind of awareness that they're creating their experiences. And then kind of like, how do you know, like, what's the evidence to you that they're in that spot? Yeah, great question. They might explicitly say it, that they realize they're at a point where, let's just say if they're in the realm of like dating a relationship and they keep having the same type of relational experience again and again, uh, they might even just say something like, I really see that it's me. Like there's something going on with the way that I'm showing up. There's something that I'm doing. There's something I must be doing that's creating this. Um, or they may say something to the effect of, I can see where I'm getting in my own way around this particular, maybe uh, new endeavor that they're taking on, whether they're an entrepreneur, they're crashing into imposter syndrome, or they're at odds with themselves. And they're using language that is really representative of some type of internal conflict, something they're trying to straighten out within them. That right there helps me understand that they're not blaming the world, that they are noticing that there's something within them that they're wanting to come into greater alignment with and uh, that they're just needing the tools and perhaps the container to really sort that out so that they can become more empowered and create the kind of experience that they're reaching for. Mm -hmm. It seems like from a place of that kind of mentality, a person would have kind of a requisite capacity for receiving feedback and looking mm-hmm. at themselves and kind of reflecting and thinking about how they can improve. Yeah. And that all of that would be a necessary ingredient to the kind of personal development that you most enjoy kind of helping people through. Absolutely. Yeah. The personal responsibility piece is just like lubrication to the machine. It allows the sessions and the feedback to go in deeper. It allows them to also be in a place of curiosity with their experience rather than judgment. Um, Oftentimes, if someone is really stuck in the way that they relate to feeling like they might be responsible for their experience or the creator of their unwanted experience as they crash into blame and self-judgment versus stepping into 
uh, more of a of a curiosity. Now, granted, mm-hmm. they're pretty simple for folks to go into uh, self blame or judgment, um, but how long they stay there is, I think, what makes the difference between a coaching relationship that's going to be really effective, where we can create some real altitude in their life, versus the greater awareness they gain turns more into them beating themselves up around, you know, why, why is, why am I stuck like? I made all these decisions. Now I'm just seeing all the time lost. And so when you encounter people in that phase, maybe they've accepted that they're the creator and then they're kind of stepping into this, oh, look how terrible I am because I'm doing this to myself and look how stupid that is. Is that something that you can support people through? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it happens to the best of us, depending on the context. We might have more curiosity around the way that we're showing up around, say, leadership, and we might have a lot of self-judgment around some of the patterns that we find that we uh, fall into in our intimate relationships. And so uh, when someone is going into a place of self-judgment, one of the tools that I love to employ or perspectives and frames uh, that I think is really useful in this situation is to begin to help them see how whatever pattern they are creating in their life that is currently unwanted is actually a protective mechanism or a pattern that was useful at one time earlier in their life. When we come face to face with something that we're doing that seems on the surface like self-sabotage, it can be very easy to go into judgment because we don't actually see the utility that that pattern once served. So mm-hmm. as we start to excavate and go deeper into their psyche, deeper into their past and start to see why and how and what the origins of that pattern was, what it was intended for originally, the positive intention of it, that can be an incredibly insightful moment that allows the person to relax the war that they've been having with themselves. And they start to relate to the pattern as merely a outdated limitation rather than seeing it as some malicious part of themselves holding them back from the life that they want to live. This is a really important topic that I'm like deeply kind of trying to understand for myself right now is this kind of balance between, you know, as I'm coaching somebody, I'm taking them through their transformation. How necessary is it that we take a look into the past and understand where these beliefs come from. Because one of the ways that I often explain to people as a way to help them understand like a delineation between therapy and coaching, and not that it's a 100% catch-all, but a lot of times therapy can tend to be kind of retrospective and kind of reconciling and coming to terms with the past. And coaching, Mm -hmm. not all the time, but quite frequently is like, where are you now? Where do you want to go? And how do you get there? And I feel not quite settled yet in like how necessary do you think it is from your perspective? Do we really need to go in and understand the past or can we, from a place of where we are now, create change without including that past retrospective view? Yeah, I think that it's a case-by-case basis and it depends on how big the change is that someone's trying to create in their life. And it, uh, it depends on how it's expressing itself currently. So From my experience, staying in the present moment and being able to give people new useful frames, perhaps reframing their experience, helping them maybe see the uh, 
illogical assumptions that they're making about a certain situation that then illuminates like a new resource for them that kind of frees them to suddenly act differently, like helping someone shift their focus. Like if someone is going to give a presentation and they're really nervous, there might be something they're focused on around how they're coming off, whether people are judging them, illuminating some of the accusations they might have in their own head about themselves that they're suddenly confronting, helping somebody maybe change their focus to the message and connect with the heart of the message and connect with just the the contribution that they are giving through the communication and just shifting their stance with what they're doing can be really powerful and create results. Sometimes I do think that it's necessary to begin to explore the origin of a belief so that the person can start to see that what's happening in the present moment, that the response they're having is not actually in response to what's happening in the present moment, but it's an old pattern that's emerging from the past, something that maybe needs to be rewritten or revised so that they can start to see the present moment differently. And so if we're working with somebody on an identity level where they're literally wanting to show up and have a completely different stance and orientations towards something that is important in their life, oftentimes the way that we can start to shift the belief structure for people is helping them see the origin of where those beliefs actually came from in their childhood. Because when we can start to see that what we are believing about ourselves in the present moment was actually constructed by a child that did not have the same type of resourcefulness to make the decisions that we make as an adult, we can start to see the way that we're believing or what we're believing about something is really antiquated and in desperate need of an update. And so when we can see and track maybe a belief around us being unworthy and its origins going back to our childhood, we can start to, number one, have compassion for ourselves as to why we may have constructed a belief about ourselves being unworthy. Oftentimes, in un a belief around being unworthy happens because as a child, we fall on the sword for our parents. We fall on the sword because something happened in our life that felt annihilating. And rather than make our parents wrong or make life dangerous, we make ourselves the source of the problem so that we, we have hope to be the source of the solution. So if I make myself unworthy as a child, then I just have to make sure that I prove that I'm worthy and it actually insulates me from a dangerous world. And it also insulates me from thinking that my parents are flawed. And so that understanding and realization, if we bring it into the present moment through different tools that I use in NLP and NLP practitioners use, can help someone suddenly recontextualize the present moment and start to choose a different belief, to choose something different that would be more useful in giving them access to the way of being and the kind of behaviors and actions that they want to deploy that would be more appropriate in the present circumstance. Yeah. One of the ways I'm understanding what you're saying right now is in, I've been having this challenge in my own coaching and in my own therapy, like as a recipient of therapy and coaching of coming to these really logical conclusions and being like, yeah, if I change my belief here, if I had this action, then all of these things yeah. would be different. It makes sense logically. I'm bought in. I feel like I have the motivation to make that change. 
and then somehow watch myself not change. And then as yes. a coach, also witnessing the same of my clients, like watching the, yeah, yeah, I want to do this thing. And then come back to the next session and be like, nope, still no, I haven't gotten there yet. And so I've been on this yeah. kind of really deep inquiry to try and like, where does that gap get filled? And my yeah. approach that I'm studying right now is hypnotherapy. And that is going into regressions and being like, where did this belief come from? And from my own experience in that, it's been like, oh, yeah, well, of course I would do it that way if I was having this interpretation of the world. And there's something for me in my personal experience, and this is, I just don't understand why, and maybe that's not really that like necessary to understand why, but noticing that once I have that awareness of the kind of what is the driving behavior behind it, then I can suddenly intercept in a way that I didn't have access to because I didn't understand why I was showing up out of alignment with myself. Exactly. Beautifully said. So to name that again is that like you going into your past and seeing the origins of the belief and suddenly realizing uh, the the reason that belief came online was really the best that you could have done at the time, that that belief was the best choice on the menu, then stops you from resisting that belief in the present moment and being at odds with yourself, which actually then can loosen things up in your current awareness to be able to make a different choice. How do you walk somebody through a change? Like, what do you instruct or illuminate for them so that they can access transformation? So there's a model that I want to bring up that's related to this that I think will illuminate things for people. Um, mm -hmm. And it's this model called the logical levels developed by a guy named Robert Diltz. And there's six levels of the ways that we might organize reality. And so when anybody comes to me, whether they're a client or whether I'm noticing something I want to shift in myself and uh, whether a client is coming to you, you can look at what they're wanting to change through one of these or all of these perspectives. So the first one is something's happening in the environment. And the environment is the physical three-dimensional world where circumstance occurs. Just below that, we have behavior. So we have the habits and the practices and the things that the person might be doing inside of that environment. And then below behavior, we have capability. And capability is the thoughts and the strategies that we have that then execute the behavior inside of that environment. And then below that, we have beliefs. And beliefs are these big buckets and perceptual filters of how do we see reality? What do we believe about other people? What do we believe is true that contain the things that we think that ultimately drive our behaviors inside that environment? And then below that is identity. So who am I as a narrative? Who do I believe I am that houses beliefs, that houses the strategies and the ways that I think, that houses and expresses the current behaviors inside of the environment? Mm -hmm. And then below identity, we have spiritual. So we can even take that even deeper into this just like um, nebulous energetic of almost like what is our identity tapping into? that is then trickling all the way up into our environment. So mm -hmm. a lot of accountability coaching works at a high level where we're looking at the person's environment 
and we're helping them come up with new behaviors so that they start to create change in their life, in their environment through new behaviors. Set your environment up differently, which creates maybe some new behaviors or think differently about something so that we can have a new set of behaviors inside of the current circumstance. We can absolutely, um, at times, create a change in our environment, which creates new behaviors, which actually will trickle all the way down to our identity if we do it enough times. If we keep going to the gym again and again and again, day in, day out, using willpower, eventually we may adopt the identity that we are an athlete or um, somebody who is a weightlifter or a runner, whatever it is. But it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. Sometimes what happens is we run into these objections where all of a sudden it's like, God, I know I should be doing this, but I just, for some reason, it's getting stuck right in the behavior area or it's getting stuck in the thoughts. And then we're no longer executing the behavior in the environment, even though we said we would and we think that we should do it. Mm -hmm. So when we start talking about belief and identity work, what we're doing is we're bypassing all of the environment stuff and we're coming right up and looking at who is this person being what are they believing about themselves? What are they believing about life that then actually trickle up and bleed all the way into how they're showing up and acting and thinking in the environment that they're currently in? Mm-hmm. So when we go back in the past uh, and we start to understand how and why we created a story about ourselves and the usefulness of it at that time, we start to really play with the walls of our identity and we can begin to shift and bring more, let's say, uh, fullness or resourcefulness to looking back at past things that happened to us, helping reveal more of the map so that younger self inside of us can actually make a different decision and come more into rapport with themselves, which then trickles all the way up to our identity and starts to actually change our behavior in the present moment. So that's a really conceptual way of talking about this. You're really answering my question here because I think for my own work with hypnotherapy, like hypnotherapy was crazy. I did my first session and I was like, two weeks later, I was like looking around and, you know, it's really interesting to think about going into a session to ask about confidence and like, why is it that confidence doesn't seem to be demonstrated all the time when intellectually I know that I have really great skills and I can provide a lot of value, but there's something that's just getting in the way and kind of talking through what creates confidence, like wasn't doing it. And so it wasn't until we, I go into hypnotherapy, um, with my hypnotherapist, April Bethan, and we got to have her on the podcast eventually. Um, but going back into subconscious and figuring out, oh, actually, I created a belief when I was really little that the things that I want in the world are going to be dangerous. And I don't know when they're going to be dangerous. And so anything could be dangerous. And so when I ask myself the question, what do I want? What comes back is Mm -hmm. nothing. And so then how can I have confidence when I don't have the ability to project a future for myself? I mean, and I can, I mean, I can have access to desires, but in these, like this kind of really subtle way, I was blocking myself from it. And it was like, as soon as I understood that, I just watched my whole world start to transform. And I still don't feel super clear about like, what is it about the realizing that that's like the structure of the belief and like, 
when I query the database, it goes through this kind of convoluted system that doesn't actually match my contemporary reality. How having awareness of that changes things yep. for me. It feels a little like nebulous still, but I do know that it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, you're, you're beginning to separate by seeing the origins of this and understanding that there's a little kid inside of us that is running the show and that is running a protective mechanism to block you from knowing what you want. Because if you knew what you want, you'd actually put yourself in danger. There's a way in which we, we can actually stop judging what's happening and turn towards that element of ourselves with more curiosity, which naturally creates more space and more resourcefulness in the present moment. Now in NLP, what we would do in that scenario is we would actually go back and begin to resource that little one and help them get a more holistic understanding of a couple different things. Um, the first one might be to help the little one inside actually have a felt experience that no matter what happened, no matter how scary it got, no matter how many times they reached for something, even if it was dangerous, that they don't actually die. That they end up living several decades into the future and that they survived. Because when these kind of things happen, that younger version inside of us may end up becoming a bit frozen, almost frozen in that state where they're stuck in this limbo of where it's where I'm in a timeless environment. This, this aspect of myself is in a timeless environment where I'm afraid to actually say what I want because I believe there's imminent threat. And so just stepping into the little one, resourcing the little one, helping them get a larger, more true understanding of themselves and the environment can actually begin to release the pattern in the present moment that you're running into uh, around when you are asked the question, what do you want? Mm -hmm. Another way that I'm thinking about what you're saying right now is kind of this, when we build a pattern of behaviors, brain is just doing the best that it can to make sense of the world and try to keep us safe. And it develops these kind of solutions. And then I think that those solutions eventually could potentially be maladaptive. But what happens is each time I make a decision and I live through making that decision, that that reinforces that this is how we stay yeah. safe. And so then we're reinforcing this behavior yeah. over time. And so what you're saying is, and also we can go back and see how with compassion and curiosity that this was just brain and child self doing it best it could and not taking into account a more longer term vision for how to create freedom yeah. and happiness for self. Yeah. Would you be willing to kind of talk through how you support somebody through the process of creating vision for where they want their life to go? Yeah. So what we've been talking about is the different types of beliefs that someone might have in their life that is creating a certain limitation that is perpetuating an unwanted experience to occur in their life again and again. And so we can, we can categorize that as the present state. So it's everything that's happening currently and everything that has happened up until this point that has had them maybe seek out coaching. Diving in, getting a greater and deeper understanding of why and how that's occurring with compassion, with curiosity, with acknowledgement. Simultaneously, what I'm also holding though, and what I'm wanting to elicit when I work with somebody is the desired state. So I'm not necessarily just diving into the, the past and trying to unravel it, 
I'm, I'm doing it in service of where is it that they're wanting to go? What do they want? What would they love to create? And so I'll ask questions like, what is it that you want? What will having that do for you? So in your case, we could say confidence. So I would want to know what will having confidence do for you? Like when you have the kind of confidence you want, what, what will you have then? And the answer might be something like, and I'm making things up here. It's different for everybody, but it might be attraction. It might lead to relationship. It could be um, more competence. It could be something like a sense of inner peace. So I'm wanting to ladder in to the, the deeper realms of what someone is wanting through the vehicle of confidence, through the vehicle of whatever they bring to me initially. And then I'm wanting to expand wide and ask the question, when you have this thing, how will you know? So in what context do you want confidence? What will you be doing when you have confidence? How will you be showing up differently? What will you be saying? What will you be not saying? How will you be holding yourself? Maybe make an image or a movie of that version of you who's got the confidence in that particular setting. If you were watching from the outside, what would you notice? There's other ways of gathering information in this too, where I might actually have them step into that image and associate fully into that future vision of themselves and test drive what it's like to be that person in that particular context when they have confidence. Mm. Now there's a whole different host of ways we can, and what we can do in this place too, which is we can start to elicit beliefs. We can start to go deeper into what is it that that person might believe about themselves, about life, about other people, about men, about work, and start to open up the mosaic of all the underlying supporting structure that gives rise to this confident version of themselves. Mm. And so as this map starts to become more and more uncovered, we've got the present state and the limitations around that, maybe a lack of confidence, and we have the belief structure that supports and gives rise to those limitations. And we can begin to see into the past where that came from. But then simultaneously, we also have the direction and the place that that person consciously wants to go. And we're starting to create a three-dimensional model for that person to get a felt kinesthetic experience of it. Mm -hmm. And so this is really getting all the furniture in the room. It's, it's unpacking um, all of these different elements simultaneously, just which brings greater awareness and can already begin to shift and transform the way that that person's being in their particular circumstance. Yeah. So just to kind of summarize everything we've talked about, first off, I want to say, I know from previous conversations about like the extent of your knowledge and the ways you think about coaching that this conversation has like barely scratched the surface for what is in there in your brain. I just know that for a fact, like there's so many things that you're bringing to the table. But for this conversation, I think that just to kind of take people through, like walk away from this podcast sit down and do some reflecting, a, an approach would be the first step, figuring out, am I in victimhood or am I in a place where I'm willing and capable and understand the value of kind of taking responsibility for my sense of agency and using that as a platform for getting where I want to go? And then I love yeah. all of the questions that you asked about kind of what is the desired state 
how will you know? What does it consist of? What does it look like? What does it allow you to do? I think that that would be such a great exercise for anybody who's interested in doing personal development work and do that at the commencement before you even go and find a coach or a therapist doing this kind of stepping into the vision of who you want to become. There's this therapist on the show, Couples Therapy on Showtime. One of the phrases she used in that show was develop a fantasy. And I love this language, develop a fantasy of who you are and what you get access to as your future, more developed, more free self. Is there anything you want to add to my summation of how you think about personal development and how people who are listening can use what we've talked about here? I'll just add that I think it's underlying all this is for us to get really curious about uh, why we are the way that we are with respect and awareness, and then with a sense of just embracing and honoring where is it that we want to go? Who do we want to be? And if we had full agency to create that, uh, what would that look like? So almost approaching our life as whatever it is that we're experiencing, we have created in some form for a very important reason. And mm -hmm. when we can stand in that, we can stop the war with ourselves. And when we stop the war with ourselves and we have more compassion for who we've been and how we've showed up, we can begin to play into the future with more lightness and more creativity and more fun. Yeah. Thanks for adding that right at the end. I love the phrase that you just used. If we had full agency, the more we buy yeah. into, I don't have any agency here. These yeah. kind of social structures and systems and my relationships are all against me, the more we will necessarily buy into kind of more stuckness. But what if you step into, just for a moment, a reality where you have full agency? And as soon as you step into that reality, your brain will allow space for thinking about what are the steps I can take? And I believe that it's only when we take an adventure into that landscape, into that belief, that we can create a path for ourselves out of it. Thank you so much for adding that right mm. in the end, because that's an important part of this work. Yeah. Thank you so much, Clayton. I appreciate you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for the questions and adding your flair to everything we've been talking about. We'll do another one of these episodes sometime in the future. Sounds good. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.